This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. This is Bill Wills. Interesting week with baseball, of course. The Dodgers winning the World Series and the Hot Stove League begins. Tribe, of course, parting ways with one of their best arms out of the bullpen with the uh, Indians uh, pretty much outriding uh, Brad Hand to, to waivers. Talking some Tribe, of course, here now on WTAM 1100. Back with you Monday morning on Cleveland's Morning News with Wills and Snyder, WTAM 1100. series complete the baseball offseason has begun and while we are less than a week into the official start of that offseason decisions are already being made that will shape the roster for the Indians and all teams in baseball for 2021 and beyond we exercised the club option on Roberto Perez for the 2021 season and declined the club options on uh, Carlos Santana Brad Hand and Domingos. Those are the option decisions the Indians made on Friday as announced by Indians president of baseball operations, Chris Antonetti. To some, they may be a surprise, but in baseball and most sports for that matter, the basis for many roster building decisions will be much different this offseason than they have ever been before. I'm Jim Rosenhaus, and this is Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive. Coming up on our show today, we'll hear much more from the Indians head of baseball operations on the option decisions and other developments that could impact the 2021 season for the Tribe. And we'll also take another look back at one of the great games of 2020 on our Game of the Week segment. So stay tuned. Tribe Talk gets rolling after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive. Jim Rosenhaus back with you as we join you each week during the offseason. Our hot stove shows now in earnest with the completion of the World Series earlier this week. This past week, it's been a busy one for the Indians and all teams in baseball as players whose contracts were up could declare free agency and others who had options learned whether teams would pick those options up or not. And we'll get to the option decisions the Indians made in just a moment, but just to touch on the free agents for the Tribe, Cesar Hernandez, their outstanding second baseman, who in his first season with the Indians this year put together an outstandingly consistent year both at the plate and in the field, finished hitting 283, led the American League in doubles with 20, and uh, was third overall in doubles in Major League Baseball. And again, very good defensively. He's on the open market now, as is reliever Oliver Perez. 
at the age of 39, appeared in 21 games, was that good lefty option out of the pen for the Indians. One and one, he earned a couple of saves and had an ERA of 2.00. How long can he continue? Well, we'll see, and maybe he could be back with the Indians at some point in time. Sandy Leon, the other free agent for the Indians, the backup catcher, had a rough year at the plate with hit just 136 on the season and also struggled throwing out runners. was just one for 10 in that area as well. So uh, those are the three who were free agents at the end of the season. And uh, it'd be interesting to see if any of the three are back with the Tribe next season. Now, the options for the Indians declined. Brad Hand, Carlos Santana, and Domingo Santana and picked up by the Tribe the option of Roberto Perez, their outstanding gold glove catcher. The uh, Hand situation, that was interesting to follow during the week as the Indians placed him on waivers earlier in the week. They do that because if he's claimed, then not only... Uh, do they not have to worry about picking up that option of $10 million for next season, but also the buyout of a $1 million uh, doesn't come into play either. He was not claimed, so the Indians will pay the buyout. And just looking back at the season for hand, he was an outstanding closer for the Indians. In fact, led Major League Baseball in saves with 16 in 16 tries. He did not suffer a blown save until the postseason in that Game 2 of the playoff series with the Yankees. Finished 2-1 and one with an ERA of 2.05. 50 saves in the last two seasons for hand with the Indians. But, again, you look at, at the landscape of Major League Baseball right now and uh, to pay him $10 million uh, in that role for the Indians with what's coming and what they feel could be useful at the back end of their bullpen, the decision made earlier this week not to pick up his option. Carlos Santana, an interesting uh, story for the Indians, not a good year by his standards. He's coming off a career year in 2019, but 2020 was anything but. Santana hit just 199. He had eight homers, 30 runs driven in, still led the American League in walks with 47, but at the age of 34 with the power and production numbers down, the Indians did not see fit to pick up his expensive option. And uh, Domingo Santana, easy decision there. Little used. They took a flyer on him to see if he still had some power in there, but uh, eventually was sent to the alternate site after a month this, this season. So those are the ones who were declined. Roberto Perez, his option picked up a little bit more than $5 million to be the Indians' frontline catcher. At the age of 31, again, just tremendous work behind the plate. Led all major league catchers in uh, the stolen base caught stealing percentage. He threw out 9 of 13 would-be base stealers, 69%. That's just remarkable. And the low number of steal attempts, a good testament to, to how strong he is in that area. Here's the other numbers, too, defensively for Perez. A career-best, 126-game errorless streak, uh, streak he will carry into the 2021 season. And he hasn't been charged with a pass ball since September of 2018. That covers 158 games. That's the longest streak by a major league catcher since 2005. He's a gold glove finalist trying to make it back-to-back -back gold gloves as he won it a year ago. And uh, he's a repeat winner of the Fielding Bible Award for catchers as he finished third in the American League in defensive runs saved. And he worked with a pitching staff that posted the best ERA 
in the American League once again at 3.23 when he was behind the plate. Just tremendous work. Pitchers love throwing to him. So kind of an easy decision there for the Indians. So it's been a busy week for Indians president of baseball operations, Chris Antonetti, navigating the continuing challenges of building a roster right now when revenues for every team took a huge hit due to, uh, due to the coronavirus pandemic. And with that uncertainty as to what the 2021 season will look like as we sit here today, Chris and his staff still have those deadlines to meet like they did this week regarding roster decisions. They began the process of figuring things out as soon as the season ended with those decisions happening earlier this week. So Chris met with the media, the Cleveland media, on a Zoom call on Friday, and he touched on a variety of subjects, including what makes Roberto Perez so valuable to the Indians. We continue to believe Roberto is one of the best defensive catchers in baseball and a key leader on our team. So um, we're excited to have him back as a, as a key component for us. And uh, we've seen the difference he can make when he's behind the plate and leading a pitching staff. And he's also been able to put together productive offensive seasons when he's been healthy. And so we're hopeful that uh, that'll be the case again next year. What's the uh, condition of his shoulder right now? It seemed that injury that really kind of hampered him. Yeah, it, it did hamper him during the season, but at this point he's fully healthy and has a normal offseason. He's already started his offseason workout, so uh, no lingering effects there, Paul. I mean, Chris, obviously, <clears throat> obviously Hans was, you know, had a really good year, another good year in that, and yet let, let him go. Can you just talk about the decision there on hand and then the, uh, the bullpen? Yeah. So with Brad, it was a really difficult decision. Um, he's been such a critical part of our team for the last few seasons. He did an extraordinary job in his role as a closer and also was a leader in the clubhouse and specifically within the bullpen group. Um, but in the end, we just, you know, we did take some time to explore the trade market for Brad and uh, weren't able to find a fit for him. So that led to the decision today to, to decline the option. But again, a very difficult decision. Chris, is there anything you feel like you've learned just in the last few weeks about how this offseason might shape up just from a league-wide perspective? I want to be careful about drawing any conclusions at this point, Zach. Um, just it's, it's very early to tell, and I'm not sure it makes a whole lot of sense for us to forecast things. I think what we've been focused on are the decisions that we have in front of us and engaging with teams to help uh, inform those decisions. And that's really where we've spent most of our energy we have checked in, I would say, at this point with most every other team to get an idea of what their off-season's goals and objectives might be. And, you know, we'll take the next few weeks and few months to see if we're able to line up on those. Chris, has there been a timetable given from MLB on what the timing of the 2021 season will be like, or is it still just kind of a wait-and-see pattern? Yeah, we have not received anything official on that, Andre. I think there are a lot of complicating factors that, that go into that decision. And, uh, as we learn more, I'm sure Major League Baseball will share with us. But at this point, we've heard nothing different than a plan to start opening day. Chris, is, is there any update on how uh, Tito is doing? Tito's doing well. He's uh, back in uh, Tucson. Um, he's continuing his uh, rehabilitation, primarily focused on his hip, um, which he's battled on and off for the last uh, few years. So he's feeling he's moving around. He's swimming most days enjoys being out in the sun and the warmth in Tucson. So uh, he's, he's had a good few weeks since the season ended. Are you encouraged about, you know, him for next year? 
I am. And I think more importantly is, is Tito as, as well. Chris, is there a chance uh, um, uh, Carlos Santana might, you might be interested in bringing him back on a lesser contract or is that a, is that train sailed or train pulled out of the station? I think we'd be open to anything, Paul. I think in fairness to Carlos, he probably needs, needs to take some time and examine what his alternative might be and gain some additional information. And, you know, it'll be important for us to get a little bit more clarity as the off season goes on, but we'll stay in touch because as you know, Carlos is near and dear to our hearts and has been such a huge part of our team for the better part of the last decade at this point. And he has fans throughout the organization on the coaching staff and the clubhouse, front office, everyone to a person loves Carlos and I'd love to have him continue to be part of the Indians family. When you look back at Carlos's 2020 season, is it hard to gauge because it was only 60 games and you know what I, you know what I, how do you judge what he went through this year? I think Andre, that's a, one of the things that's made 2020 so hard is you know, we did have a such an unusual season and then a shortened season on top of it. So um, we want to be careful about reading too much in any individual player's performance in, in a relatively in such an unusual season and such a short season. So I think we've seen times in the past when Carlos has gone through some stretches where you know he just wasn't as productive and other stretches where he got really hot and you look up at the end of the year and his numbers are what they typically would be. So um, I'm confident Carlos still has productive years left in front of him. What do you, how do you see the first base position right now? We have a number of internal alternatives um, with guys that have been on, you know, on our roster. Jake Bowers, Bobby Bradley are guys that obviously play there. Um, Josh Naylor has a lot of experience at first base, so he could be another factor for us as well. How's Nolan Jones doing in the outfield out in Arizona? And would he, has he been working at first base at all? Um, he's doing really well out there. Again, it's a little bit challenging in the in that environment. A lot of his work has been, um, some of it's been in games, but I think he only had, I want to say 35 or so plate appearances. Uh, I might be a little bit off on that, but um, there haven't been, we've been playing games regularly, but we have a lot of guys out there and have tried to allocate playing time among all of them. So. He's doing well. Nolan's such a great athlete. Uh, I know he's big, a big physical guy, but as a former hockey player, we feel like he does have the athleticism and versatility to play other positions if that's the best fit on the team. Uh, we've continued to emphasize with him that um, athleticism over the course of the winter. I know you spoke on Tito, but have you been able to figure out the rest of the coaching staff and if guys that left will come back or how that'll work going forward? We're still working through that, Andre. The one thing that we do know is Brad Mills will not be returning as the bench coach. So he'll still he'll stay in the organization in, in some role, and we'll work with Brad to figure out what that role might be. But um, aside from that, we expect the rest of our coaching staff to return, um, but we still have to figure out exactly how we can figure it. That's Indians president of baseball operations, Chris Antonetti. And for a frame of reference, here are some of – uh, just some of the many other names that have hit the open market this week, either as free agents or as players whose options were declined. And, and there were quite a few, some familiar names, uh, Charlie Morton of the Tampa Bay Rays and their fine catcher, Mike Zanino. They did not have their options picked up. And again, some of this is where these uh, players are in terms of age, but also cost has a lot to do with it. The Braves 
turning loose uh, their outstanding reliever, Darren O'Day, who had a tremendous season this year. Corey Kluber did not have his option picked up by the Rangers after an injury-plagued 2020 season for him. Colton Wong, an outstanding defensive second baseman who had a, a solid offensive season this year. The Cardinals will not bring him back as their second baseman, at least at the, the club option price that he had. Four members of last year's Nationals, uh, or last year's World Series champs, the Nationals, they have been uh, cut loose not having their options picked up, including Adam Eaton and Howie Kendrick, such key parts of, of those very good ball clubs. Anibal Sanchez also turned loose. The Yankees parting ways with Jay Happ and Brett Gardner, although you could see uh, either one of them back at a lesser contract. Sergio Romo. His option not picked up by the Twins. Ryan Braun, another. Edwin Encarnacion with the White Sox. His option not picked up. So a lot of players hitting the open market. At one point this week, it was 147 players becoming free agents, either with their contracts running out or their options not picked up. So a lot going on in terms of the business end of baseball. You'll hear about it throughout the offseason. It's not going to be an easy offseason for a lot of teams. The Indians certainly included in that mix stay tuned when we come back we'll shift gears take a look back at one of the the fun games of the 2020 season our game of the week segment coming your way shortly as tribe talk presented by progressive continues after this timeout welcome back to tribe talk jim rosenhouse back with you as we take a look back at one of the fun and entertaining games of the 2020 season with our Game of the Week feature. It's the Tribe and the Cincinnati Reds on a Thursday night in downtown Cleveland at Progressive Field. The finale of their annual Ohio Cup Series, and this year it was a two-game in Cincinnati, two-game in Cleveland, four-game series. Those uh, series back-to-back, the two in Cincinnati in early August, followed by the two in Cleveland, and the Indians would end up winning three of the four ball games, including the finale of that series on that Thursday night, August the 6th. And this was the breakout party for Jose Ramirez, who had been off to a slow start for the Indians, but you'd never know it by season's end as he put together what may yet be a Most Valuable Player Award season. He will certainly be among the prime contenders when the voting is tabulated and announced later on in the month of November. But heading into this game, about three weeks into the season, the Indians were 7-6, and six, the Reds 5-7, and seven, and Ramirez had just two home runs to this point and really wasn't doing a whole lot at the plate. But that would change on this night against Red starter Luis Castillo, one of the best in the game. He was opposed by Carlos Carrasco, and the big offensive night overall for the Indians started in the first inning thanks to Jose Ramirez. 3-2, swung in and ripped into deep right field and gone! Jose Ramirez on a 98-mile-an-hour fastball hit a rope to the seats in right. And the Indians have a 1-0 lead, and Ramirez has his third home run. Well, Jose was sitting dead red on the 3-2 count. He got a 98-mile-an-hour heater, and... My goodness, he jumped all over it. The game remained one nothing until the fifth inning. That's when Ramirez delivered again. The right-hander sets. Here's his pitch. 
Swung on, line drive down the right field line. Fair ball. This one's headed toward the corner. On the run is Hernandez. He's flying to third, being waved around. The relay throw will not come home. Into third goes Ramirez. Scoring is Hernandez. And Jose Ramirez with the big night makes it 2-0 Tribe. A good bounce for the Tribe in the corner as that ball went down the right field line fair, but it never made it into the corner. It hit the sidewall and kicked out, and Nick Castellanos had a tough time picking it up. So that took away any chance at a relay throw home to try and get Hernandez. And he was able to score easily as Ramirez rambled into third base with his first triple on the season. And next up, Francisco Lindor was looking to bring Ramirez in with an RBI base hit. Here's the 1-1. Swung on, line drive, base hit in the right field, and that'll plate another one. Ramirez scores on the RBI single by Lindor, and the Tribe now leads it 3-0. Now things loosening up a little bit for that Tribe offense. Some two-out clutch hitting here for the Indians. Ramirez and Lindor back-to-back RBI base hits, and all of a sudden it's a 3-0 lead for the Tribe. Lindor with his ninth run driven in on the season. Meanwhile, Carlos Carrasco had a strong game going on the mound, part of a very good start to the season for him. And the pitch. Checked on a pitch, didn't matter. Strength three called. Winkers really unhappy. Reds screaming from their dugout. David Bell is going to come out. He may get thrown out by Jerry Meals. Jerry Meals just threw him out of the game. David Bell is still 20 feet from the ump and just got thrown out of the game. 3-0 Indians, middle of the sixth. Then in the seventh, the Indians blew the game wide open. Carlos Santana drew a bases-loaded walk. That made the score 4-0, and then Fran Reyes stepped in. Now the set and the two-strength pitch. Swing and a little floater. Shallow right. Drops for a base hit. That'll score Ramirez. Lindor's right behind him. Castellanos throw to the plate. Slide. Safe is Lindor. And the Indians lead it 6-0. A bloop single to right. But for Reyes, it found grass. And it's a two-run single. And the Indians have blown it open. And now lead the Reds by a score of 6-0 here in the seventh. Still in the seventh. Two more bases loaded walks made it 8-0, and then Cesar Hernandez kept the rally going. Now the 1-2. Swung on, drilled to right, down the line it goes, into the corner. This will clear the bases, headed for that right field corner. It'll score Santana, Taylor, DeShields, into second with a three-run double is Hernandez, and it's 11-0 Indians, and eight-run seventh and another blistered baseball the opposite way into that right field corner by Cesar Hernandez. His third double and the three RBIs giving him six on the year. And after the bases clearing double by Hernandez, Jose Ramirez stepped in one more time. The pitch. A swing and a high drive. Deep left field. Headed for the bleachers and it is... Gone! A two-run home run to left by Jose Ramirez. And for the second time this year, Jose has hit home runs from each side of the plate in the same game. And tonight, two home runs, a triple, four RBIs, 
and the Indians have a 10-run seventh and lead 13 to nothing here in the seventh inning. For Ramirez, it was his second two-homer game. He had done it against the Royals earlier in the season. More on Jose's night against the Reds and how that would dovetail into what turned out to be a great season for him. But in the ninth inning, Adam Pletko was on to try and preserve the shutout. Now the 1-2 delivery. A swing and a chopper to third. On the short hop, Ramirez to second. One relay to first. Double play! Ball game! And the Indians pitch back-to-back shutouts against Cincinnati. They pitched 23 consecutive scoreless innings against the Reds. And then tonight explode for 10 runs in the seventh. And they annihilate Cincinnati here tonight by a final score of 13 to nothing. So the Indians win it 13 to nothing. And bear in mind, again, Jose Ramirez came into the ball game with just two home runs and was hitting right around that 200 mark and in the throes of a 3-4-24 stretch. But that would really get him going. The two home runs against the Reds, a big RBI night. He went on to finish with 17 home runs and 46 runs driven in in just a 60-game season. Both of those numbers, the home runs and the runs driven in, third best in the American League. He had the most extra base hits in the American League. And after the ball game, with some help from Augie Rivero, his translator, Ramirez talked about not only a big night for him, but for the team as well. Jose, what did it mean to you to just get the Indians on the board early with the home run? I think, that, I think that's key, to start ahead in the, in the board and you know, get you a little the, the tension away. So it allows you to play a better game. So I think it was key to get the, the game that we have today. Jose, did you think um, did you think this offense was capable of a game like this after struggling so badly in the in the first 13 games? Claro, claro. Nosotros tenemos tremendos bateadores, sabes, muy buenos muchachos. Yeah, great. Uh, without a doubt, I know those things may happen. Those things are going to happen. We have a great group of guys, stylish MLB hitters. So I know they're going to happen. So I'm really happy for them to, to happen. But I knew we had the talent and the possibility to hit this way. Jose, what's it mean to have the most outstanding player award? It feels really good, you know. Thank God for this opportunity to be able to win this award. So it feels really good. And the next day on Indians warm-up, Tribe Acting Manager Sandy Alomar talked with Tom Hamilton about the much-needed big day for the Tribe offense. Sandy, you got that, that big inning last night that kind of broke a game open, allowed you to go to different people in the bullpen. You talked about it on the pregame show last night. There, there were baby steps that you were seeing, and it isn't just because you hit a couple of home runs, is it? Correct, correct. I mean, I, I mean, we, we discussed this is that to get, you know, stay away from slump, prolonged slumps. You have to, you have to make sure that you like simplify things. Think about two-strike approaches, going the other way. Don't think about hitting homers. I believe, uh, you know, C pitches. I believe uh, if you see a lot of pitches, uh, you know, you're forcing the other guy to throw strikes too. So at times when you get too jumpy and try to hit homers, uh, I think uh, what happened is you, you, your body take you to a different direction to the pool side. So staying closer, going the other way, forces your body to, to see the ball better and stay up the middle and then you'll be able to react on breaking balls better, I believe. So there it is, another installment of our Game of the Week. 
And again, we hope you enjoy these. It was an odd season to be sure, and an unfortunate one that fans were not allowed in the ballpark because there were many games similar to this. And of course, down the stretch, some comeback victories, really some exciting baseball. And well, we'll relive some of those games for you over the course of the offseason here on Tribe Talk. Stay tuned. Tribe Talk presented by Progressive continues after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you. And so we join you with our hot stove shows now. Tribe Talk is always presented by Progressive. And some odds and ends as we wrap up our show with our final segment for the week. First off, two of the Indians' rivals in the American League Central Division hiring new managers this weekend. Man, in both cities, Chicago and Detroit, fans, uh, it is mm, certainly uh, talk show fodder and uh, both decisions generating uh, a lot of uh, concern among some fans. Uh, a lot of fans like it, but uh, certainly opening up some things for discussion in terms of both ball clubs. We'll start with the White Sox. They have hired Tony Larusa, their former manager from back in the 80s. He's back, and it's a move that uh, seems extremely unpopular, at least in the short term, among White Sox fans. Many believe the hire came from uh, owner Jerry Reinsdorf instead of general manager Rick Hahn. Regardless, uh, LaRusa brings a Hall of Fame resume with him from his time managing the Cardinals, the Athletics, and yes, the White Sox way back when. At 76, he'll be the oldest manager in the game, and that makes the White Sox a fascinating watch next season. How will LaRusa mesh with a White Sox team that's on the young side, some great young talent, and a team that embraces the fun parts of the game, not necessarily old school by any means. And uh, that will be interesting to watch to see how that young, enthusiastic group uh, meshes with an old school manager, you could say. And Tony LaRusso says, hey, no, um, you know, I'm, I'm embracing the analytics side and, and some of the cutting edge stuff. And uh, we'll see what transpires in Chicago as uh, they make their move, hiring Tony LaRussa to be the White Sox manager. The other hiring over in the Motor City where the Tigers have brought in former Astros manager A.J. Hinch. The reason he's the former Astros manager, anyone who follows baseball, even in the slightest, knows why. Uh, he involved uh, in the 2017 Astros cheating scandal the year the franchise won its uh, first World Series. And uh, Hinch brought in after serving his one-year suspension. Uh, reportedly, the Tigers called him minutes after the World Series was concluded. That was the official time that they could talk to him. Uh, Hinch, to his credit, uh, has taken responsibility at his press conference on Friday in Detroit, talked about how sorry he was for uh, things that happened. And he, he wanted to make sure that people know that that's his story and not the Tigers' story as uh, the season gets going next year in 2021. So that'll be interesting to see uh, how it transpires. Prediction, if the Tigers make progress, play well, and become a winning ball club once again, no one will worry about the past, at least in Tigertown, uh, of A.J. Hinch. World Series, it's concluded. What did you think personally? Very entertaining. Um, yes, it was in or was not in the home parks of the teams involved, and there were limited fans, but uh, I thought the games were fun, full of zeb, you know, the ebbs and flows that you look for in a, in a big series. And the two teams with the best records were there, 
which this season I thought was important. It brought some additional credibility to the shortened season. Uh, I think the fear was that a team with a below 500 record, the Astros, might make it in. And and uh, had they won the whole thing, uh, how would that look to have a below 500 team do that? So by having the Rays there and the Dodgers there, that took care of that part of it. Game four uh, may go down or should go down as an all-time classic regardless of the circumstances. Uh, Brett Phillips hits a, a wild game-ending uh, game base hit. And uh, rising star Randy Arozarena swims across home plate with a winning run. So that immediately becomes an all-time classic regardless of the circumstances. And you can't have a memorable series without the uh, controversial managerial decision, can you? Uh, I think you look back at baseball and uh, the team that loses a, a decisive game or, or was something going on that, that uh, brings up arguments and discussions about the managerial decision that just seems to always be a part of it and unfortunately uh, Kevin Cash is part of that now as his decision to pull a dominant starter in Blake Snell in the sixth inning of game six backfired in the worst possible way as the Dodgers scored the decisive runs in that inning after Snell was pulled uh, full disclosure didn't like it before it happened as he was walking to the mound hope hoping that he was going to leave Snell in but uh, to be honest, that was solely for the reason that uh, I just love watching starting pitchers pitch deep into games, and, and it probably isn't the right reason why. But uh, unfortunately for Kevin Cash, uh, he will bear the brunt of of uh, the criticism for the Rays not at least getting it to a Game 7. With that said, though, you, you can't manage with your heart sometimes, and uh, he's a, a very good major league manager and a huge reason that the Rays were in a position that they were to try and win a World Series. And after the game, he stayed true to what got his team to that point, went with the information that he felt was most important to put his team in the best spot. And the Dodgers, with one of the great players in the game, Mookie Betts, they rose to the occasion. And that's one of the many reasons why that they are this season's world champs. And with the season now complete, it will be fascinating to see how history looks at the 2020 Dodgers due to the shortened season. Are they looked at as less worthy of a champion? I tend to take it the other way. I think based on how different 2020 was and challenging it was for every team in baseball, just to get the season to completion, you can make the argument that whoever won was more worthy of a title this year, and, and the Dodgers certainly seem to fit that mold. So tip of the cap to the Dodgers and their manager, Dave Roberts, a former Cleveland Indians player who uh, guided his team to the World Series title. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget you can listen to our show each week on the radio, the Indians Radio Network, usually in that 5 to 6 o'clock range on a, a Saturday late afternoon, early evening. You can also catch it on Indians.com, all the archived editions there, or you can listen to Tribe Talk as a podcast wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Thanks to Brian Matze for helping to put together our show this week, along with Anthony Alford back at our network studios. This is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network.